Hey everybody, Joe here. Thanks for tuning in again. This is Crosstown Traffic, your new favorite podcast. And this week's episode is a little bit different um, for a couple of reasons. So <laughs> I actually recorded this episode before, a couple days ago, but um, the first part got deleted. I don't know how, um, but that's what happens when you start a podcast. You work out the kinks, you know, and it gets better and better. Um, but what I did on the old po- or, or what what I try to do and what I'm going to try and recreate for you now is um, I was going to talk a little bit about my experience um, in East Asia. Now, originally I was going to just talk about the whole trip, but like I said, I already recorded the podcast and I talked for a good hour at least and I had just covered Japan. So then at the end I decided to uh, uh, to just make it about my trip to Japan and uh actually now that I remember I I think I actually decided to do Japan up to Tokyo but um anyways um I I brought up the itinerary from that trip and I'm going to go through my my experience round 2 uh with being over there um because it's something I love talking about first of all but also a lot of people you know it comes up when I talk to people and um you know, it's a lot of interesting stuff to share, but oftentimes it's hard to put it all into one. So now, next time I, uh, next time it comes up to somebody, um, like to this morning actually, um, I can just say, hey, I have a podcast on that, and they can go listen to it, learn all about Japan. Anyways, without further ado, uh, let's begin here. So this trip was in 2016. I have the itinerary pulled up, and says. Detailed itinerary for East Asian term 2016. Wow. It was so long ago, but some of it seems like yesterday. Crazy. So uh, I remember, so fun little anecdote before I even go into it. I remember meeting an alumni from the fraternity I was in at college, and uh, he had done the same East Asian term trip, uh, but like back in the 80s. So back then it was different and the school I went to is known for having sent students to China like way back in the day they were apparently one of the first colleges to to do that which I think is pretty cool and um, we actually got to meet we as in the group of students which was about a hundred people or so we got to meet the guy who facilitated all uh, our college sending students to China you know he was the guy uh, what's the word negotiating for it or whatever um, so shout out to that guy Excuse me. So let's start without further ado. <clears throat> oh man, what's in your cup, Joe? Oh, well, you don't get to know yet. Um, and I didn't put any honey in it this time, so it's raw, straight. <laughs> um, August nineteenth, students leave Chicago O'Hare for Japan. I remember. I think I stayed in a hotel with um, a dear friend who is no longer a dear friend. <laughs> um. I think I stayed with him and his buddy. Our, well, he was my friend too. But I think we all stayed together in a hotel because we were going to be rooming together for the trip. And we were friends before that. In fact, we lived on the same floor in college. And I think in preparation for living together in Asia, we had gotten the hotel room together. But it might have just been me and my friend. I don't really remember. Like I said, this was in 2016. So what is it, five years ago? Almost six years ago? Holy crap. Anyways, so we fly. It's 14 hours, of which I slept maybe 30 minutes. Terrible. Uh, 
that flight was terrible. Um, I remember being so bored and like insane level boredom and monotony, uh, uncomfortable, um, crazy. Anyways, so it's 14 hour flight. We fly from Chicago to Tokyo and I believe how it went down was we landed in Tokyo uh, and then I think we took another flight right after that to Osaka and I think from Osaka we took a bus to Kobe or no not Kobe Kyoto Kyoto is where we stayed the first place so uh, here on the itinerary it says August 20th through 27th lodging Kyoto Travelers in 91 and it gives the address and telephone and everything let me just tell you right now this place in Kyoto was spectacular it was a actually let me say the place wasn't that crazy I mean it was nice but it was a traveler's hotel so we were told and I understood that to be you know like a place where businessmen who are traveling somewhere for work would stay um, and it was pretty bare bones um, I remember just being on the bus to Kyoto and pulling in thinking I was on another planet or something like literally in space on another planet like Rick and Morty type stuff um, because you know I hadn't slept really much at all on the plane so 14 hours plus however long it took us to fly and then take this bus and so I was super out of it and tired and remember just seeing all the lights there's tons of neon lights everywhere you know and Kyoto is no joke it's a big city um, and we were staying you know pretty much in the heart of it I would I would I would say and um so anyways we we get to this hotel and um you know the first couple days the first couple days is just unreal I can't even think of how to describe it it was so different and surreal you know you're you're however many thousands of miles away and for for me at least I had never traveled anywhere else so it was just such a crazy paradigm shift um and i think that goes to say for a lot of people that were on the trip as well like i said there are about a hundred of us and we were all like 19 and 20 you know sophomores a few sophomores juniors and seniors so um a lot of young kids um so a lot of us you know i don't think any of us were old enough to drink but as soon as we got to japan we were able to drink so and i mean i think i got carded once the whole time i was there because it's just it's not the same as being here in America. Um, I always tell people it's like being a rock star because everybody wants to take your picture. Everybody wants to meet you, be around you, talk to you, have you at their bar, you know, that kind of stuff. It's it's crazy. And so we experienced that everywhere and from the right, from the beginning. And, you know, we're staying at this hotel. The rooms are like the paper walls and floor that you see from the movies. It's It was like that. But instead of beds, they had giant pillows. They're like, or not, yeah, they were, I think, that, yeah, giant pillows. Um, and maybe like a comforter type thing, but it might have just been pillows. But they just had pillows stacked up, and that's where you'd sleep. It's super crazy, right? And so we stayed in uh, those guys I mentioned earlier. I think it was us and like maybe one other person in a room. Um, and we were roomies. And the thing uh, I think a lot of uh, people misunderstand about Japan is it's not that they're all shorter than us it's that they're just all around smaller so you know that the people are smaller like their bones seem smaller I don't know if they actually are but like they seem smaller like they're shorter and just skinnier and, and, and like dimensional wise 
aspect ratio type type thing and uh, so you'd notice that at the store like you'd go to the 7-eleven down the street in which we did and we you know we'd walk there and you'd see a like tiny little truck pull up and ha the guy would come out with a tiny hey guys Joe here uh, so I was having some technical technical difficulties but uh, I figured it out now anyways um, I was talking about the people in Japan how they're kind of tiny but in a proportional way now uh, I don't remember where I left off in the uh, in the itinerary but I'll just pick up wherever I left off somewhere um, but I wanted to start with uh, I had this thought um, that I couldn't do the podcast without prepping for it uh, like I said in the most previous episode number eight uh, I was scared to do a podcast by myself or on my own um, yeah, on my own because I didn't know what to talk about. And then it wasn't until I got a little bit more settled in life to sit down and come up with a topic. So I started with Armenia, and this time I'm doing just Japan. But that first step is what I wanted to point out to anybody listening um, as a quick aside, which is that you're going to come up to those fears, and it's going to influence literally your thoughts and how you think but if you have the courage to take a step the path will uh, unfold before you and I wanted to spread that message uh, and that's the best example I could give of why I want to do this podcast is to get positive messages that will help uh, people listening um, change their lives for, for the better and hopefully change the world for the better um, even if it is only one person I'd be happy but uh, with that being said hopefully this gets shared around and people start listening so I can make that voice a little louder but without further ado let's continue back to Japan so um, yeah when I first got there stayed in this travelers hostel or hotel kind of was like a hostel we'd have breakfast every day um, which was kind of it was eggs and rice and I don't, it wasn't too crazy, but I think it was kind of Americanized for us. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I did a lot of exploring, um, like that mountain nearby. Um, I went to this tour place with 10,000 Tory gates. You've probably seen this place online or on TV or something, but it's all these, these orange, you know, two pillars and like a curvy thing on top that connects them that's a tori gate and it's famous in japan and there's a place in kyoto it's literally the the side of this mountain the whole mountain is covered in these tori gates all lined up boom 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 right next to each other and uh i went there with michi-san um i can't remember how far i was in the podcast before the audio shut off and stopped recording which that's what happened last time but michi-san my friend from college turned visiting him in his own country uh <laughs> He, when he came up to Kyoto, we went to that, that shrine together. We actually, they have uh, cats that are sacred that live on the mountain, and they feed them, and, you know, they're sacred cats, which is amazing. And we also met this chick from California who was, like, living there. I don't even remember. She was, like, working at a hostel or something, but that was cool. So we met her on the mountain at that shrine, and we went to another shrine with, like, a thousand Buddhas all in a row, which was also really cool. Um and then 
uh, Michi and I, we go, or I, I took the train by myself to Kyoto. I took the bullet train in Japan alone to Kyoto or to Osaka and met up with Michi. Thank goodness. Uh, he, I mean, thank goodness I stood out in a crowd of, uh, Japanese people in Japan at the biggest train station in the whole country, Osaka station. Um, Luckily, I stuck out because I didn't. We didn't agree on a place to meet, and I had no idea it was the biggest train station in the whole country. So, uh, luckily, he found me. Otherwise, I don't know what I would have done. But he found me. Uh, we ended up getting stuck in this mall, which was the whole thing. Um, but uh, we went to this mall and you know had food. And the malls there are crazy. Like they're like the Mall of America, but even more nuts. And we got lost in a mall. That's how nuts they are. Um, and we went to a baseball game. So we went to a Hanshin Tigers game. And, and the Hanshin Tigers are the most famous club, or most famous team in Japan. They're like the New York Yankees equivalent. Um, uh, but we went to one of their games. They're in Osaka, and they're uh, they're black and uh, black and yellow, kind of like the Pirates colors. And um, so the, the base, baseball over there is way better. It is... Uh, so much better than American baseball. It's exciting. It's like a soccer match in Europe, you know, because everybody's chanting the whole time, and they're waving flags and blowing trumpets, and oh, it was nuts. So much energy, and instead of fat old bald guys yelling, "Get your beer here," you know, they'll they have little they have uh young girls with like pony kegs on their backs, and they all run around, and so there's an Asahi chick and uh Kieran chick, you know, and you just call them over and they give you beer. Um, so that was great. And we went, so we went to that game and I ended up getting a hat, which I still have. It's in my closet over there. Uh, and, uh, then, you know, he helped me get on the train back and I made it back safely. It was awesome. And everybody's like, where were you all day? And I'm like, went to the baseball game at, uh, Hanshin Tiger Stadium. So yeah, um, that was all in Kyoto all that we also went to nara which um is a really cool uh old city and they have like this huge buddha statue in this park and it's that park where the deer uh there's a million deer and they all uh are super friendly towards humans and they come up and eat like paper out of your people's pockets and stuff (laughs) it's it's crazy um you'll have to look it up or you may have seen it already so oh um august 25th train to kobe we went to this earthquake museum in Kobe uh, which was really cool and you got to see a lot of like how they build buildings there they're the most well-equipped people uh, for dealing with earthquakes because they deal with so many Um, so this museum was really cool and we did an earthquake simulator we also went to a sake brewery in in Kobe which was really cool Uh, sake is traditional Japanese uh, alcoholic drink it's I think it's made of rice um, made from rice um, but yeah, we went to, uh, that brewery there, which was really, really sweet. Uh, in the old podcast, they talked about the classes and I'm kind of glad that that one didn't get recorded because I think it was probably pretty boring, but I'll just say that I had class from eight thirty to 10 every day. Then from 10 to 10 30, I'm reading here, but I remember remembering as well. We'd have this kind of seminar with the head lady Marsha bless her heart she I didn't realize it till later uh, uh, that she, you know her life must have been pretty stressful on that trip and uh, I give her a lot of credit 
um, for planning planning it and then being responsible for all of us jackasses. Anyways, uh, she'd have her little seminar and she would tell us, you know, what we we're doing that day. If it was like a museum visit or traveling somewhere, you know, logistics, all matter of logistics and all that. Uh, hold on, I gotta take a swig. I think this is gonna be a motif where you guys have to guess what I'm drinking. I'm not gonna reveal it till the end. Oh shit, the end is pre-recorded. Crap. Well, I'll reveal it, but once I'm finished, I'm about two-thirds of the way. <laughs> and I'm getting tons of messages. Um, so, after Kyoto, I could say more about Kyoto, but it's mostly just places I went. Um, it's a great place. If you want to see old Japan, go there. It's about the only place with, like, old... Uh, religious artifacts and architecture and stuff like that. Um, so after Kyoto, oh, another weird thing about recalling this with the recalling the whole trip with the itinerary is that I got the order totally messed up uh, in my own memory. So it says after the after Kyoto, apparently we went to Hiroshima, which was sooner than I thought, and so we stayed at the International Youth House, which was this really cool like modern building it was like a fancy hotel or something but it was like a it was exactly what it is it says international youth house i mean there was like all sorts of young people that were like scholars and diplomatic diplomats in training or something um but august 29th peace park visit so in hiroshima they got not only is it a museum but there's a whole uh, compound and there's like statues and stuff all outside and you do this tour. So you go do the museum, which is really graphic and shows, you know, they don't hold back with the graphics uh, the, or the, you know, the gore and stuff like that. Um, so we did the whole museum. Then we did the outside walking tour. So you're going around seeing all these different monuments they have for, you know, the Koreans that died at, in Hiroshima that day or, the Australians or the Americans, you know, that all that stuff is outside. They have these uh, origami cranes, which are really, really cool. You'll have to Google that one because they're really cool. And it's this girl, this is a story behind it. This girl, you know, started making origami cranes or something. Um, I'm not doing it justice, but it's a really cool story. Um, so we got to see all those cranes and I think make our own. Um, like I said, positivity. Uh, that's what I want this uh, to be about and spread. So share. Got to get a lot of people listening to this. <laughs> Anyways, Hiroshima Peace Park. We And then at the coup de grace was, at the end of all that, we got to meet with uh, some descendants of Habaksha. And the Habaksha was a group of people that uh, were directly affected by the radiation from the blast in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So in 1945, um, so they weren't the people that were, you know, incinerated by the bomb, by the blast, but people that were exposed to the radiation. So they were like there or they came to help, you know, any amount of, uh, a lot of people got affected by this radiation and exposed to it and their descendants, uh, are called the Habaksha. And I think the people that were, you know, first generation, first people like that were there, but their descendants, you know, people, a lot of people didn't want to like be involved with them, didn't want to date them, marry them because 
they're afraid of having you know children with defects and stuff so uh yeah they were very uh ostracized by society in japan um but we got to have a bunch of them a bunch of descendants of habaksha come speak to us at this unit at the peace park in hiroshima and we got to sit with them in small groups and talk with them and they were all about peace and you know ending nuclear the, the nuclear arms race uh it was it was crazy um but in a good way like a giant collective organ for peace and love you know it was crazy um we need more of that but uh, that was Hiroshima and then at the end of that so we spent all day there and at the end of that I asked these two girls to go because they were from Hiroshima University um, I asked these two girls to go if they wanted to go out that night so me and my buddy Jack who's also no longer my buddy uh, we go with these two chicks and they take us to Okonomiyaki restaurant which is this traditional dish in Jap in Osaka that's famous for uh this is this dish that they made in wartime it's super simple ingredients and stuff because they were rationing you know there and uh but now it's like a delicacy something Osaka is known for so they took us to this Okonomiyaki place and then we go to an arcade and play games and two pictures in the photo booth stuff and then we uh we did we went uh had beers and like kebabs and stuff and then we went and did karaoke and uh you already know i was the best singer you can ask jack you can ask you can ask fuji and kana i was the best singer anyways uh that was in hiroshima and uh let's see here august 30th class afternoon trip to miyajima i should just i'm gonna address the classes really quick they were a joke. So we went to class, sure, but never do homework. We never, I never did homework. And I did a lot of it before I left uh, so that I could afford to have free time in Japan and, I mean, every country, but it was the first two classes were uh, in Japan. So I did the assignments beforehand, and uh, that was a really smart move. So good lesson for you kids out there. Anyways... We went to this island called Miyajima, which is in Hiroshima Bay, and uh, not much I can say for it. All, 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 all I can, all I can say is, me and my buddy Mark, we were like damn near Olympic athletes on this trip because we were just he and I led the pack up this mountain. Uh, fellow geology major, what's up, Mark? Shout out to you if you're listening. Um, we would just we led the pack. And we're often exploring and finding stuff for people to do. But we led the pack on this particular mountain. So we got up to the top like way early. And there was this big ass rock up on top in the center of this, the top of this mountain where there's like a visitor center. And it took us a while, but we eventually figured out how to get on top of it. Um, there was hooks that you could climb up to it and grab onto as you got up there. So we get up there and eventually later on, hour later or whatever, uh, the rest of the people show up and we partied on top of this mountain um in the middle of the bay between miyajima and the city of hiroshima is a tori gate it's actually out in the water uh, but throughout the day the tide will lower and you can walk out there but it's like one of the only structures that survived the blast uh 
and you can go out there and see it which pretty it's pretty sweet it's a famous picture you may have already seen it and uh we also got to see the library or whatever it was that one of the only structures this was in the city though and you can still see it which is crazy seriously crazy uh i'm kind of not going in depth with uh the impact that these places had on me but um i might have to go into them in a in a, a different episode because it's heavy this episode i wanted to be a little uh light so anyways if you guys want i can re revisit those um all I'll say is it's one thing to go to the museum and um, just read the history of what happened in Hiroshima, but, um, you know, it's another thing to kind of put the pieces together in your own mind, whether in the museum itself or walking through the Peace Park, seeing the library, which you see in all the pictures of, of one of the only things to withstand the blast from, the uh, you know, the bomb. And, you know, seeing Americans in American flags and stuff like that in the museum, but, like, as a bad thing, you know, that's not something we're used to seeing as Americans, uh, especially living here in America. We're so, like, egocentric. Um, so that's, that's uh, you know, a few of the things that are super heavy and uh, impactful. Um, but, yeah, um <laughs> Hiroshima was sweet. Also, I should say, uh, the city was beautiful. It's like you would never know that a nuclear bomb went off there uh, unless, you know, you read about it. And it, I mean, it did happen. But you couldn't tell from the, the way the city looks. It's that nice and beautiful. And the people were directly reflective of that. I was really impressed with that city. Um, so let's see here. Tobe visit. Um, let's see here. I thought that was Matsuyama, but I believe that's... Oh, let's see. Hold on. I'm looking at the... Oh, I skipped. Uh, no wonder. So after Hiroshima was Matsuyama, and I think that's where I left off in the other podcast. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. I messed up the order, um, even though I have the itinerary here. But it's because I got the... I even messed it up with my... With my um, itinerary right in front of me that's crazy but um yeah without further ado i think i'll cede to the pre-recorded stuff but hang in don't go anywhere take a potty break if you need to no screw it don't do that um <laughs> i'm gonna turn it over so in matsuyama there was this huge medieval castle you know in the center of the city it was it was huge i mean it was just a, it was a castle with a huge yard and moat but then inside there was it was just so intricate and tiny houses in between and all this stuff it, just google it matsuyama castle it was crazy but we went to that one day i think we were in matsuyama for a couple of days um but we with uh they signed us up to do this like homestay thing so there they had all these families and they came to our hotel in the evening and they split us up I was lucky because I got a go I got to go to a group by myself a lot of people had to go with like another student so two of them or something but I got to go by myself with this family and it was just a woman and her son who was probably like 10 to 14 um probably like 10 or 12 and 
So the, she took, uh, they took, she took me to that same castle. And, uh, you know, of course I didn't have the heart to tell her that I'd already been there. Plus she didn't really speak well. I was mostly communicating through the, the, the kid. Um, but yeah, so she took us to the castle, which was great. Um, she took me to a mall and we got to go to this, uh, um, what's the guy's name? Hayao Miyazaki, who is the Japanese animator, filmmaker guy, incredible movies. We got to go to a, a Miyazaki store. Um, and then she took us out to eat and I got to eat udon, which is my favorite Japanese meal ever. Udon is a thick noodle that comes, you can get it plain with just like a broth, but it also comes with a lot of tempura and different stuff to go in the broth. It's, it's really good. We ate udon and then, yeah, that was a cool night that we got to have, uh, ex cool experience in Matsuyama. When I was with them, we went to their house and they lived in this, I don't know, division. Um, and she took me to their neighbor's house and the neighbors used, they had lived in Hawaii at one point. So they spoke English, which was great. And I got to talk to them and they invited us in and we had drinks or whatever. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, let's see, uh, September 3rd, Tobe visit teacup painting. Oh, I remember. Yeah. We went to this, this place. I don't even know what to call it. Compound, like on the side of a mountain, uh, up in the hills and, we did a whole tour of it and they showed us how uh how they made pottery and stuff. It was real medieval. It was cool and we got to paint um a cup. I still have mine. It's somewhere in here somewhere. Uh it's a really cool little cup. Um that I thought when I read it on the uh itinerary here, I thought that was when we had a tea ceremony and I think that was in Matsuyama and that was uh I mean, that was cool. It was, J Japan is very heavy on artisanship and, um, learning and mastering crafts. So actually you can get a, a visa to go to Japan if you're studying like one of their crafts, which is cool, but they're really into tradition and ceremony and stuff like that. So it's these, the people that did this tea ceremony were these women and you know that they've done it like every day for the past 10 years or something probably longer but anyways they did this tea ceremony for us and I don't really remember remember what it was like but I think they had you know they were banging drums or something <laughs> but we had to sit uh be on our knees like in a line and I remember they gave us each a little muffin or something and I looked to my left or what or looked to my right I remember seeing the first couple people that got them eat theirs and the just grimacing face on their or that they were making so I knew it wasn't good so I thought hmm I'll just stick the whole thing in my mouth and eat it one bite terrible idea I did that and almost puked instantly I don't know what gave me the power to not puke but I was literally this close to puking which would have been hella uh funny but disrespectful at this tea ceremony. Luckily, I didn't puke. Um, so let's see. September 4th, early morning travel to Aso. Dude, so we went to this Mount Aso, uh, which is an active volcano in Japan. And, I mean, I don't know what I can say about visiting an active volcano. We didn't go, like, up to the rim, but we were, you know, at the 
base of it or whatever and it's it's otherworldly being you know around a, a, a volcano um but that volcano ended up erupting like a week after we were there can you believe that um kumamoto um wow i think that was where there was this one time where we we had been traveling like all day and everyone was super tired and ang- angsty and I remember we finally get to this hotel at like, you know, six o'clock or whatever it was. And we just all like, we're biting at the bit to get our keys. We got our keys. We went up to the room, tossed our stuff and just booked it in the back of this hotel. Cause they had three pools. And I remember we all got there and we were just like in the water and we're like, ew. Cause there was tons of bugs everywhere. It was gross, but we still had a hell of a time because we were just that uh, exhausted and like, eager to party and I remember that was the night where like even the professors were getting (laughs) hammered with us it was crazy um let's see okay so it says September 6th travel to Shimabara I think Shimabara was where that hotel was that I just described Mount Unzen the next day that might have been the volcano that exploded now that I think about it um I don't recall but it says uh, Nagasaki prefecture so we we went to uh, Nagasaki too which kind of is the complete opposite of Hiroshima um, the city I mean it was rebuilt obviously but it just seemed kind of ugly and there was just you could sense the like, despair or whatever in the in the air it was crazy um, the people seemed like they were all just mean and uh, bitter um it's the only place in the whole country of Japan that I ever felt like, you know, people around me were like looking at me disdainfully with disdain. It was, it was weird because I never felt that anywhere in Japan. You know, everybody was nice to me other than in Nagasaki. It was crazy. Very strange. Um, we went to the museum there. There's a couple things throughout the city that, you know, are relics that things that didn't get, uh, blown away in the blast. Um, but they're not as highlighted. Even the the museum itself is way less intense than the one in Hiroshima. It's kind of just like a regular museum. And um, so we went to that. And, yeah, it was just kind of a weird time in Nagasaki. Um, Now that I think about it, I think this is where Daijima was, Um, that Dutch colony I was talking about. Yeah, I think it was in Nagasaki. Um, So we went to that. But, yeah, the Nagasaki was an interesting place for sure. Historically, it was always playing second fiddle to Hiroshima because it got bombed second. You know, they didn't get as much help and aid and news coverage and all that. So it's always just got had this, like, I don't know, grudge and, you know, physical manifestation of such. Uh, Anyways, it says September September 10th, fly to Tokyo. Oh. Uh, Oh. Transfer to bus. Transfer to bus to Mount Fuji area. Visit Volcano Tube and Fuji Museum. National Youth Friendship Hostel. We stayed in this. It was like a, a summer camp for kids at the base of Mount Fuji, and man, we uh, it was a hell of a place because you'd get up at like seven and there'd be you know that kind of 
Then everyone would line up and they'd all sound off at the same time in unison. It was crazy. Um, and I think I, I, we must have had class, but I can't remember really what we did there. We did play a lot of like kickball and stuff too. I remember that. Um, and uh, boy, September 11th, it says climb Mount Fuji. Um, that might have to be a separate podcast, uh, actually, now that I think about it. Because that was crazy. Yeah, I think that's going to be uh, its own podcast. That's a good idea. Um, September 12th, bus to Tokyo Yoyogi National Olympics Memorial Youth Center. Uh, man, now that I think about it, I think Tokyo will have to be its own podcast as well. Um, actually, this might have to just be like the Japan episode general because i got so many stories i could go into um tokyo was crazy we spent a week there and boy um so what japan is a country that is uh very uniform throughout very homogenous i think it's the most homogenous society on earth like 99 percent japanese but so what that means effectively is that in some ways you can generalize about the country uh, just because and I say that because like most of the major cities are pretty alike they're very much the same layout wise you know not much difference they're kind of they have the same layout and everything so when you I always say if you've been to Tokyo you've been to the rest of Japan because Tokyo is like everything else but bigger and crazier but pretty much the same on the same foundation so with that being said we spent a week in tokyo we were in yoyogi park which is this huge park in tokyo that you know the city that tokyo is like if, if you've ever been to new york imagine you know seeing the entirety of new york city and how big that is now times that by three four maybe five that's how big tokyo is no joke um, so we were at this place that used to be the Olympic Village in the 50s, and it was just like a looked like a college campus or something. It says National Olympics Youth Center. I don't know what that is, what it's used for now, but it used to be the Olympic Village because they had like dorms, but it was more like prison cells. <laughs> um, but we couldn't have got a better location because. And this was, again, a good example of me exploring on my own. You could go out the door. There was, a, like, a guard tower thing. You go out there, and if you turned left and walked for 30 minutes, you'd be in the downtown of... In either direction, you walked 30 minutes, you were in the downtown main epicenter of the two hottest party districts in all of Tokyo. One... So you go out and you go left, walk 30 minutes, you're in downtown Shibuya, and you go right 30 minutes, you're in downtown uh, Shinjuku. Those are the two hottest places in Tokyo. So, like I said, you couldn't have had a better location, and uh, I figured that out really soon, that you could walk, that they were that close, so you'd walk. You could take the train, but almost as easy to just walk, because you got to walk, you know, 10 minutes to the train station, wait for the train, get on the train, you know, that whole thing. So it was, like, almost easier to walk. But, you know, you could walk in either direction. 
be in Shijuku or Shibuya, and it's just unbelievable. I mean, you may have seen Shibuya Crossing, which is the biggest place where people cross the street in the world, intersection, whatever, and, I mean, that's in Shibuya, but, um, it's just crazy, I mean, bars and restaurants and, uh, arcades and everything for as far as you can see, and there's so many lights, and, oh my god, it's incredible, you gotta just look up pictures, but even that doesn't do it justice, and there's so many people, and it is crazy, um, and you go into these bars, and they're all super insane. And for the most part, I, I always tell people that what it's like in Japan is like it's like being a rock star or something because everybody's looking at you. Everybody wants to take your picture, be around you. It's crazy. It's like being famous from what I, I can tell. <laughs> and so everywhere we went, there was just people trying to get around us, trying to hang out, trying to talk to us, trying to get us in their clubs so we'd go into clubs and get free drinks and free you know we'd go up on the dj booth and dj it was crazy <sighs> yeah and um we spent a week in tokyo we did we went to the um the fish market they i don't think they do it anymore but it's this open air fish market and it's like the biggest in the world we went to that we went to uh oh we went this was an optional optional trip we went to uh the kabuki the kabuki joe and saw a kabuki theater play and not only did we see a kabuki play which was is dope in its own right but we saw this w crazy like 28 minute or 18 minute kabuki play which was unprecedentedly short but it was insane um so the kabuki joe is this theater that's in downtown tokyo and we show up and I think we went in but we went like right in the main door and then up the elevator and we got on the balcony and we walk in take our seats and it's pitch black in there and all of a sudden boom the stage lights up and there's this so there's against the wall like at the back curtain that you see there's a, a thin stage uh, you know wood or whatever it is, canvas, but then it all comes into the middle of the stage and juts out, and it's this big, like, catwalk runway that goes out in the center, and that's the stage, plus the back, and so the lights flash, and all of a, start, all of a sudden, people start chanting, and it's like, and they're, like, clapping, and they tell us that they're saying the names of the actors and that's like a thing that you do in Japan uh, at these shows is you yell the name of your favorite actor so people are like yelling Leonardo DiCaprio you know and like clapping before it even starts it's crazy and then the actors come out and against that wall in the back there's the people playing instruments and so they're playing music the entire time the play is going on and it's you know I don't remember what the play was about but it's just phenomenal and <laughs> that was one of the coolest things and that was in Tokyo um, and it just says classes and classes and um, yeah I think I'm going to keep this podcast at as just Japan and like an overview of that um, and at the, Tokyo was the last spot we went to and it was crazy um, 
I remember the night before we left, I got kind of paranoid that I was leaving Japan and I didn't know when I'd be back. Haven't been back since, so I was kind of on something. But I remember went out to this club. I couldn't sleep because I was so anxious of leaving, so I just went out to this club. And I remember I found a place called Club Camelot. And it was one of those bars that has three floors and a different dance floor on each floor, and it was packed. And man, I had just went out and was out all night. It was crazy. Then I flew to Taiwan the next day. Couldn't believe it. Haven't been back since. So, yeah, um, that's going to be it for the episode. I, I kind of have to go somewhere in a little bit, and I think I gave a pretty good general description of uh, my time in Japan and uh, had a few few good stories in there. So I think what I'm going to do next is the Mount Fuji. I'll do that in a whole episode. And Yeah, anyways, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next one. Share and uh, let me know what you think. Take care.